0: So this is a discussion, it is uh, wide open. So anybody want to bring something, ask something directly in the video or through the chat. Okay, so uh, tonality, it comes from I mean, it's a kind of translation transliteration, of this technical term called vedana, and so uh, if you uh, study mindfulness, then uh, you see that you have the what's called the text, the Satipatthana Sutta, and in it you have the four foundation of mindfulness. So you have mindfulness of the body, include the breath. Then you have mindfulness of vedana, or feeling tones i write it. I had a friend, for a long time, she thought I was saying, feeling tune." it's not tune; it's tones. <laughs> and so this is one of the way we can be mindful. And it's also a very interesting aspect of our experience to be mindful of. So Vedana basically means uh, tonality, the tonality we experience upon contact through the senses. And there is a wonderful text uh, of the Buddha, which is about the 108 feeling tools. So that's why I can't go into all of them. But generally, the way they mainly described is that they can be mental or physical. And that's why sometimes people translate Vedana as sensation. Going car, for example, translated more as sensation. Then there is three main aspects of tonality: is pleasant, unpleasant, and neither pleasant nor unpleasant. So, in a way, if you look at ups and down, basically ups and down is a little bit talking about tonality, because if you are up, If you experience an up, generally, it's pleasant. If you experience something which is down, generally, it's unpleasant. And then some of the time, we are more in the neither pleasant nor unpleasant. So in a way, equanimity, which is interesting with equanimity, often is associated with neither. But that doesn't mean our aim in meditation is to always be in the nicer range, not at all. But it means that it has a little the same feel. But then the Buddha said, "You have also a tonality which experience in an ordinary way, and that's just like you know." Uh, I experience pleasant, I want it. I experience unpleasant, I don't want it. Neither, I am bored or indifferent. But he said there is a way to experience tonality which comes from inside. And then the neither will be experienced very differently. You know, it can be experienced as calm, as peaceful, as being stable, being balanced, for example. So that's in a kind of a nutshell. Okay. As soon as I sit down with the intention of practicing equanimity, I am bested by my inner critic and all my unequanimous sort and action, how to work with this back to the body and metal. So which metal? we were talking about was gold. That's an easy answer to MO. So this, this is what, uh, Carrie, this is really what I think is so important, that we do not use the qualities as a mean to judge ourselves. This is really so important. You know, like if you focus on the quality, but then in a way you think, oh, I am not equanimous enough, I'm not kind enough, I'm not this enough, I am not that enough. Then in a way you could say is defeat uh, the purpose. So the idea really is to, to kind of see it as an ability we have, but we don't have that capacity all the time to the same degree. And then what becomes interesting is how does it feel when I feel relatively equanimous, relatively calm, stable, balanced, then how does it feel when I don't experience that? And what happens? Because in a way, this is what we kind of trying to uh, investigate with equanimity is look at conditions and to see at times, it will be actually nearly natural to become and you'll surprise yourself. And at time, you'll suddenly be agitated very quickly. So in a way it becomes interesting to look at what are the condition that help me in term of these qualities, but to be very careful not to use it in a way to judge yourself, or to judge others, because that's also uh, what one can do. You see, this is what I mean by creatively engaging. When is it good to be outspoken? When might it not be helpful to be outspoken? And how do I do it? And then it's interesting, because if we are reactive, then Sometimes it can be a little aggressive, but sometimes it could be urgent. Uh, Yes, I feel so too. Sometimes, yes. And and then at other time, we have to consider how is a person going to experience it. Nobody else? Hello Martin, I struggle with anxiety, and sometimes my body responds to both joy and difficulty in the same and uncomfortable and unpleasant. I feel UPECA could be valuable here to allow me to experience joy in a better way. What are your thoughts? Yes, indeed. And I'll talk more about joy tomorrow. And in a way, what we what happens with anxiety? Generally, with anxiety, it means the person, for whatever reason in the past, possibly trauma or any other reason, that the person often is a little, maybe more sensitive. So in a way, their system is more sensitized. And also possibly, if we're anxious, is because in a way there is a little fear. And then it's like you have a radar then if you're a little more sensitive, then when something happened, that it'd be up or that it'd be down, it's going to raise a little the level of sensitivity. And when one is anxious in a way, the level of sensitivity generally feels like agitation, that it'd be up or down, you feel a little unsure, a little agitation also. You could nearly say if you're too aware of impermanence in terms of the up, it's okay now, but it could go very soon. So in a way, the up can be appreciated because you're already worried it's going to stop very quickly. So in a way, it's kind of like the fear gets transmitted to also the pleasant. And so I think there, I would say mindfulness can be really helpful uh, because then Mindfulness can in a way equanimity, calming, stabilizing, balancing can then level a little the sensitivity. So you can still experience something but there can be a little less of that agitated, little fearful things coming with it. So I would say, yes, it could be helpful. You have to to try it out for yourself. Then Okay. Ah. Uh, There is Upeka in the Brahma Vihara. There is Upeka in the Seventh Factor of Awakening. Are the two Upeka the same or somehow different? This, (laughs) I I would have to go back and check with Analayo because I uh, sometimes people think about. the Brahmavihara as quality you cultivate, but some other people might think of it as state you developed. And then in terms of the factor of awakening, then generally, again, is it a cultivation when often the seven factor of awakening can also be understood as a result of the practice. So often it's kind of a little the question, Is it the cultivation of something or is it the effect of something? And then is it a little different? And then with the Upeka, you could think of it more as anchoring, stabilizing, balancing, and then the effect, experiencing calm, experiencing spaciousness, experiencing clarity. But I would have to look uh, into the text to see is it exactly the same word And if it's the same word, it could mean the same thing, or they could look at the two aspects of development and effect, and then different traditions seems to look at it a little differently, so that I cannot totally answer. Uh, I heard a helpful set of questions to ask oneself before speaking, is it true? Is it kind? Is it necessarily? very helpful. Thank you, Fernily. Then, I find as lockdown progresses, I find myself becoming more reactive and annoyed by my partner's negativity. I am aware I'm reacting, how do I start to creatively engage, rather than be immediately reactive and annoyed. So, here, I think what is uh, fascinating with our situation at the moment is that actually we can see we are responding to the different lockdown in different ways. The first lockdown was a shock, but I feel most of us felt our practice really helped us, and it kind of you know, could have helped us to. Uh, look at different things, to kind of uh, question certain things, to explore certain things. So in a way, we kind of learn something. Then the second lockdown, we thought, oh, we've done this before, I can do this. No problem. Third lockdown is like, oh, no way. I mean, enough, let's move on. So actually, it's like kind of we have uh, confinement fatigue. You know, people talk about compassion fatigue, but I think we have confinement fatigue. And in a way, because of all this confinement, at one level, some people really benefited from them. But a lot of people feel really, in a way, uh, unfed because people feel really nourished by the presence, physical presence of others and art and different things. So in a way, we are little, some of us impoverished. So which means that our reserve are a little down, our sensitivity could be up, and our patient a little down. So in terms of the partner, negativity, the first thing to be careful is not to say, it's not so bad, I am fine, or whatever it is. Because if they are in a bad mood, they are in a bad mood. So generally, I would say, can you be friendly uh, during the bad mood, not amplify it, and possibly uh, go for a walk with them, if that can help, or leave them alone to be negative for a while until it passes and you do something else. So in a way, it's kind of to sit Again, are they like this all the time or is it just certain time? I also would say kind of try not to watch too much of the news or possibly don't watch the news together because that sometimes can get people going. So really, in a way, creatively engaging is kind of like, how can you help yourself? So that's really taking care of yourself. And then... If you can help the other person, or kind of be find a way to be with it, which can be helpful for both of you. So, (laughs) I mean, what is interesting? Okay, the jhanas uh, are meditative uh, states, and uh, so people understand them in many different ways. So that's why uh, some people find, think they're easy to experience, and some people think they're very uh, difficult to experience. So this is there. And then, uh, in terms of these different set of jhanas, is that you have, you know, the first one is you feel very elated, and you still have perception, then the other one you have no elation, but still perception. Uh, or mild joy, intense joy, mild joy, you still have perception, then you have calm with perception. And then if I remember correctly, then you have one where you have calm without perception, etc. etc. I mean, what can I say? Uh, I am not uh, very knowledgeable about the genus. Uh I am not sure I have experienced it. In the way they describe, I have experienced things of that nature. And so personally, uh, if I equate equanimity with a specific type of meditative experience, then to me, in a way, equanimity as a meditative state is an experience of ungrasping. That you sit in meditation, for example, but I mean, you could experience it in nature, also, you sit in meditation, and then suddenly you feel very quiet and clear, and you have you don't have to do anything, and just be there with that quiety, that quietness and clarity. And to me, the way I would uh, talk about it is that it's really a grasping that you don't do because it just happened, and suddenly you're really quiet and clear. And then what is interesting with that experience is that generally you want to make it deeper, and then it goes. And then the job, when you are in that state, is to just be with it. It's so in a way to be equanimous with equanimity, and not do anything, a little like compare it to a, a parent holding a child, Not too tight, not too loose. And so being with the state in this kind of, you could say, brilliant and malleable way. So that's all I can say about that in terms of meditative state. And then uh, you say more about working with teenagers. So why I said something about tinnitus, which I would also say with the breath about uh, asthma. If you have a tendency to have asthma, of course, sometimes focusing on the breath can be okay, but sometimes it's really not helpful. And then it's better to focus on the body or focus on the sun. If you have tinnitus, generally, some people find To be mindful of it is okay. But some people find being mindful of it in a silent place makes it worse. So generally, in terms of listening meditation, if you have tinnitus, I would say to do it in nature, to do it outside, and not to do it in a silent room, because then the only thing you go into here is a tinnitus. And sometimes it can become a little kind of anxiety producing or more intense. So that's why I would be careful of your condition in terms of either doing the breath or doing the listening, same with the body. If you're doing the kind of meditation on the body, again, uh, being careful if you don't have too much pain or possibly too much trauma in the body, because if you focus on that, it's really not going to be helpful. So we have to be careful What's the anchor we use considering our condition? I often have discomfort during meditation, a short breath and depression. So again, um, you see, if you have short breath, I think we have to be careful about focusing on the breath when we meditate. For some people, it can be really calming. And it can be so useful. And for other people, actually, it makes you tense. Tense, if you have a tendency to be asthmatic, or tense, because it's very hard at the beginning not to control the breath. So as soon as you pay attention to the breath, it's like you control the breath, and then it can become a little strange. And I think that's why then listening to sound, or doing body scanning could be a better method, or using the qualities. So I think one has to be careful. When we do the meditation is kind of really, uh, what am I focusing on? How am I doing it? One of the important thing when you do the meditation is to bring friendliness, really to bring friendliness to the activity. Because the more expectation, the more tension, uh, the more inner critic you bring to that, that it will make the experience very tense, which is kind of in a way counterproductive. Uh, so that's a good question. And the thing is how tense it makes you. So if, is it disturbing or not? So there is a fact of the anchor, which might not be helpful. That's the thing to kind of check. That I think is important to check. Because then, you know, time to time, you might do the breath and have no problem. And other time you might do the breath and you might have some difficulty. And then it would mean more that maybe you came to the meditation and you were a little anxious for whatever reason or little stress. And then your mind is a little more agitated, and then can go more into the inner critic. And then, oh, just to see. I think what is important in terms of thought or emotional sensation, but we're looking at thought right now, is the fact that we're not trying to stop the thought, but actually, thoughts are information. So, it's as important, I would say, to be anchoring in whatever helps us and also to be aware, what am I thinking? What is it that distract me? What is it that disturbs me? And then what is important is the tone of the thought and in a way the content of the thought, not the content as in the more kind of how it expresses itself. And then you can notice, oh, I am judging what I'm doing. Or oh, I'm making this more complicated than it might need to be. Because in a way, there is no need to breathe in a special way. So one of the difficulties that people will teach uh, the breath meditation in many different ways. But one of the main ways is really you don't do anything to the breath. So what you're basically doing is just waiting for the breath to happen in whatever way and shape. I am aware that you have these states called the Anapanasati Sutta. So the Sutta on the mindfulness of the breath. And then he says, you must be aware if you breathe long or if you breathe short. Personally, unless I am in daily life and agitated, I have no idea. If my breath is long or short when I sit, I just, I have no idea. So I don't know if some people, if they do it, they can really be aware of that. But me, I just sit. And what interests me is more the sensation I experience in the nose, the air coming a little cooler, coming out a little warmer. And is it long or short? I have no idea. <laughs> so I think, one has to be careful also what one is able to be aware of in terms of the breath and what does it mean? So in a way looking, oh, am I expecting that my breath should be long? You might have read somewhere that that is so. So in a way, then again, then it's kind of the different instruction one might be hearing about. And then one can check with someone Okay Okay, so uh, our time is up. Thank you very much for uh, uh, joining us and uh, staying with us. So.